Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. My guest today is a world traveler, an educator, a lifelong learner, somebody who's extremely passionate about real food and real connections. She, somebody who is a dog lover and a messenger. My guest today is Lise Fournier. Today I'm really excited. I'm so excited because my guest is Lise Fournier. I've been asking her for months and she finally said yes. Welcome, Lise. We're excited to have you today. Thank you, Heather. I'm excited to be here, too. Great. So, now, tell us a little bit about yourself, Lise. Well, I think that the most important thing about me is that I'm curious. I'm just a curious human being, and I love to learn things and experience things. I have a long list of experience and things that I have done, but I don't think we have time to go through all that. Just remember, I'm curious. That's, That's me. You're a lifetime learner. Lifetime learner, but also I always have questions. Ah, so you're the proverbial three-year-old. Why? Pretty much. How? Pretty much. It's like, oh, I wonder what's on that other side. Oh, I wonder how that works. It's just curiosity. Yeah, it's how your brain works. That's how my brain works, and it's always worked that way. And I don't think it's ever going to be turned off. No. Did you did it drive your parents nuts or were they good with it? No, my parents were not turned uh were not didn't have a problem with it because I was that middle child that everybody ignored. So okay. I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. Okay. I literally had not really any boundaries or anything. I just you know, there was some expectations but nobody paid any of them. Okay. So I was able to go out and do that okay. and continue to do as uh, since then. So did that lead to your explorer attitude? It certainly did because as I graduated high school and everybody had that expectation that you would go graduate from a French high school, you would go to a French university. And I went, no, nah, I think I'm going to go to Halifax. And I, yes, it's in English, but that's okay. So I just left and went to study in a completely, not completely new language, but it was a challenge. It was a challenge because you're from northern New Brunswick. That's right. So French is my first language. High school was your typical second language English. Wow. And I just went, I need to do something different. And I did. I've been to Quebec for four weeks. And I don't. And I've taken French through high school. I don't think I could have stepped into a university classroom in French. Like, wow. To do that in English. Did you have, like, 
how did you support yourself mentally? Because my head was done after an eight-hour day of just immersion. So how did you, what did well, you I do think to support be- yourself? I think it's because I didn't think I couldn't do it. Okay. So mm-hmm. I just did it. I didn't, I never questioned, is this doable or not? And in the experience itself, I have obviously met some very interesting people. And my friends, my first year university, were also people who didn't have English as their first language. So I met a whole lot of very interesting people from Southeast Asia and mm-hmm. from other parts of the world because we were all the odd ones out. Okay. We were the ones who were just paying 100% attention to whoever was lecturing because we didn't really understand. Right. And we tried to explain it to each other and learn as we go because we were all on the same level. I see. Yeah. So did that, were, were you a, let me say, were you a diversified chef at that point or did they help expose you to? Oh, they obviously did. I grew up in northern New Brunswick and while my mom is a very good cook and everybody in my family loves to eat, food and I've always been exposed to real food it wasn't until I was hanging out with my group friends that I got exposed to Asian cuisine my best friend at the time which I met in calculus because we were both lost was from Malaysia and one time she came to my place and she says I'm going to cook you food and she made me a curry and she nearly killed me I thought I was going to die from the hotness of the spices. She tells me it wasn't that hot, but it's just, I had never been exposed to spicy food. And uh, it just went from there. And from there, I was like, oh my, there's other things than roasted chicken or shepherd's pie or frico. And then that kind of exploded. And then I started to explore different cuisines and eat different cuisines. And, and as I would taste these things, I go, oh, I need to go home and make this. So uh, from that time, it's like, oh, I need to go and make this. So interesting is four years later, I made her a curry and I nearly killed her because it was too <laughs> spicy for her. So I think she was right. The first time she cooked for me, it wasn't that spicy. It was just an experience. Sure, sure. What did you take in university? I was, uh, I started in a science degree. Me too. And then, <laughs> and then loved the chemistry, loved the biology, wasn't very crazy about physics. However, after a while, I decided that I had more of a business mind, so I transferred to a business degree okay. and, and finished with a, a degree in finance. It all serves us well, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah, it certainly uh, wires your brain into in a different way. In a different way, yeah. So after you finished school, at some point you did a trip around the world, right? I remember, do I remember that? Yes, that was quite a few years later. Um, after, that was about uh, 15. Were you traveling by yourself? Yes, it's that curiosity thing. Again. Again. It was, okay, I'm at a crossroad. I want to go see the world. How am I going to do this? I'm just going to buy a ticket and go around the world. It was a decision I took one afternoon. It was a rainy day. 
I think it was December, early December, London, rainy. Yeah, let's do that. And I did that. How long did it take? Uh, it took me about seven months to complete that particular part of the journey. But altogether, I was probably on the road for a year and a half. Did you buy the ticket that as long as you're traveling the right direction? That's right. You're so you're good it's to go. one ticket. Okay. Uh, before you, when you buy the ticket, you predetermine what are your stops. You need to go in one direction. Okay. You can't backtrack. You have to give them dates. That was a bit of an exercise uh, with a travel agent who was like, you want to go where? When? <laughs> and as I was pulling these dates out of my head, it was back in the days when you actually got a ticket. Yes, a paper one. A paper ticket that you had to carry with you. Mm. And every time I made a change to that, they would add coupons. Oh, how thick was your ticket? It was quite thick. It was about an inch thick, but I had not finished. <laughs> because if you changed a date, if you changed a mm. destination, they would have to print many, many different copies of that. So it was about an inch thick by the time I was finished. And I still have it. I'm sure you do. That would yeah. be a trip of a lifetime. It was. So what was your favorite place? It's hard to pinpoint a favorite place on that trip. However, my place where my heart is, and I would go back in a heartbeat, is the Himalayas. So I've been on the Nepalese, Nepalese side. I've been on the Indian side. not been on the Chinese side, but anything related to those mountains and those mountain ranges in that culture is certainly one of my favorite places on earth. Can you put words on why? It's hard to put words on why. It's just when you land, it feels like you are somewhere that is sacred, somewhere that is, you, you just feel the place. And it's not the scenery per se, it's the people. It's their, their, the communities. It's just, it's just the whole experience of being in a sacred environment. I've been in other places where you know that this is a sacred space. Mm -hmm. There's places where you know there are portals. You know there's something that's it's like a cross mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. However, in the Himalayas, it's just kind of, it's almost like the epicenter. Uh, on steroids in some way. Steroids on some way, yeah. So what do you do in the Himalayas besides climb Mount Everest? That's how ignorant I am. Oh, you go on a walkabout. And a walkabout is there's no roads. For the most part, there's no roads. There's no highways. You just go and hike. Guided? Uh, yes, guided is always a good idea. Two, so you don't get lost. Um, one, because it also helps to support and communicate, support the, the industry and, and to communicate with the, the people. But it's just that whole business of walking, being in the moment, and slowing down. And also seeing how they subsist and, and thrive with basic, very basic things. There's, we'd be hiking up a mountain and they're coming by with 
a wood stove on their back and they're carrying it to their village because that's the only way that's going to their village. Like everything is carried mm-hmm. on somebody's back or on a donkey, but usually on somebody's back. We have no idea. We have no idea. Our world is quite complicated. <laughs> Too complicated. And we think that we need all this complexity. However, we don't need to have complexity to be happy. And these people are, were, I can't speak for now, uh, because they are being exposed through satellites and through cell phones and internet to a whole, to our reality. However, these people were so much happier. And how many years ago was that? That was about 19 years ago. 19 years ago. So a lot's changed in 19 years, but... Oh, I believe every, a lot of things have changed because you could see that things were changing. You go to a village and they would have an internet cafe. No electricity most of the time and no connection, but you knew that they wanted to be connected. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And it's sad because when you see them, they were watching a lot of North American programming, which is not really what you want to be doing is programming our dysfunctional uh, society into Into a very functional way of life. Functional way of life, yeah. We need to be programmed by them, in other words. Exactly. Yeah. So, Lise, you traveled the world. On Earth brought you back to Canada. You found the Himalayas. You found other places, I'm sure, that that drew your heart in or drew your um, senses in. Like, Like, I mean, I know... In my world, Vancouver Island is a place I feel like home. I've been to Hawaii. It feels like a tropical Vancouver Island. But there's some places that you just need to come back to. Like, my sister needs to come back to Mahone Bay. Like, that's her place. Like, what made you come back? Was Canada a place like that? Or what was the reason you came back to Canada? Because you lived in Europe before that, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting question. Because when I was 11 years old, somebody asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my response was out of here. And that was my response to Northern New Brunswick. I left Northern New Brunswick when I was 18, went to Halifax. And at 18, I said, I am never coming back to New Brunswick. I literally said that. I got to travel and live in different places in Canada. got to live in the UK, moved to France, traveled the world. Basically... Flew around with the globe twice in that time. And it was a very special moment. It was my birthday. I was in Northern Australia. And I was sitting in what I didn't quite understand at that time. But I was sitting probably on a storyline. And a storyline is some, it's, it's how they store their knowledge in Northern Australia. And I was on top of this plateau, sitting on the storyline, and the message was that I needed to come back to Canada. I wasn't as familiar with this Claire audience knowing thing, but it was coming back to Canada. I had no intention of coming back to Canada at this point in time. How old were you? I was 32 years old. 32. And I, I'm like, I couldn't understand that. I really could not understand that. I was having the time of my life. Did traveling. you know where in Canada? No, I had no idea where. 
And then when I said why, the word was responsibility, which really didn't make much sense. I'm 32 years old, recently divorced, have not a care in the world, don't own anything. Why would I want to become responsible? However, since then, the message has bloomed and responsibility wasn't that I take responsibilities. I needed to come back to Canada to teach people about responsibility. So and did I know how? Was all that clear oh, in nothing. Australia? Nothing was clear. Oh, the only part. clear part. And that's usually how it happens when you make big changes. They, yeah. they only give you little bits at a time. <laughs> yeah. Because if Red you knew crumbs. the whole story, you probably wouldn't take the whole story. No, breadcrumbs. However, <laughs> breadcrumbs. But it was very strong urge to come back for responsibility. So I finished that trip probably about three months later, four months later. I came back to Canada. And, and I had no ties here other than family in Halifax and family in northern New Brunswick. And remember the story that <laughs> northern New Brunswick was not somewhere I wanted to go back. Mm -hmm. And But I knew... Because of my health at that time and the things that I had changed, that I wanted to become uh, not necessarily a doctor or part of the medical profession, but I needed to help people take care of their health, which kind of resonated with the word responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I started questioning things and I was open. I was completely open to new changes because I was coming back to Canada and I knew I didn't want to go back to my previous careers. And I started Which doing some... what? what were your oh, I worked in IT. I was a system analyst. I worked in uh, real estate. I was a property manager. I did many different Okay, just As to give people an graphic idea. Graphic design, it was the 1990s, you did everything. Okay, not um, everybody, but you did, yes. Oh, I did. Yes. Curious. Yes. Remember Curious. So I started doing some research and I found this place called PFNN, Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And they had a campus in Halifax. Oh, I could go to Halifax for a year, take this course. And then we go from there. So I did. So I called them up and I said, um, I can't start in September, but I can start in October. Is that okay? Yeah. And so that's how it all happened. I went, started it, finished it. Yes. And then they, uh, when I finished, they said, hey, would you like to open a school in New Brunswick? Remember the story I said, never come back to New Brunswick. And the guidance was yes. And I went, really? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. And that's how we met. And that's how we met. Yeah. And it well, was. We met, we met in February and I registered three days before the course started. That's right. In September. Like, like, um, it. Yeah. It was certainly meant to happen. Yeah. It was a guidance to go and start the school. Yeah. There was a few hiccups in starting the school. Starting a school is not that easy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank God. And breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs, exactly. We had a few problems with the actual location. And I remember having to 
basically asked for guidance and I created this picture of the house and the school and I put birds around it and hearts and I because we were having this little problem with technical stuff mm -hmm. and at that point I said if you don't want this school to happen I can go back to India I am okay with that mm -hmm. so of course the school was meant to happen and uh, it did there was quite a few more hiccups after and you registered three days before yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing if people would register, many did register at the last minute. And in the end, there was 11 yeah. people who registered. And when I look back at that picture that I had drawn back in March, I had put 11 birds. Oh, there we are. And seven hearts. And the seven hearts were the seven students who registered for the March course. Ah, uh, see? See, so that's guidance. They, they had already told me. The plan was there. That the plan was there. They had already told me how many students there was going to be. Yeah, it was going to be um, fine. Everything was going to be fine. Stay it the was course. just stay the course. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You don't know what the heck these birds and hearts are, but it's going to mm, be fine. No. <laughs> no. Didn't know. Isn't hindsight wonderful? Hindsight is wonderful. It's crazy. It makes, it explains to you what in those strange moments when you know in your gut, yeah. you know something in your gut, your intellect tells you something, but your gut's telling you, go with this. Yeah. Even though it doesn't make any sense Don't at ask why. All. Don't ask why. Don't ask why. Just keep moving forward. Don't ask why. Don't ask why. It might be a year. It might be five years later. You don't know why. And sometimes, sometimes you, you don't never know. know why. Yeah. I say, Everything that happens, happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's always a lesson attached to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not your lesson. Exactly. It's somebody else. You're just playing a supporting role. Oh. So you just can't quite get into the details. Yeah. I really look forward to that day when, uh, after we pass over and you're reviewing history, history you're reviewing your your life and you're going oh and you're celebrating all those good things that happen and a lot of those good things that happen that you got right were things that you thought you had done wrong you screwed up yeah. and you screwed up and you may have given yourself a hard time but maybe that screw up was required for somebody else's lesson mm -hmm. and it was just perfectly orchestrated you would have gotten an academy award yeah it. yeah exactly cool yeah so, let's talk a little bit about intuition, Lise. Let's talk about intuition. How do you get yours? How did it come? The intuition, the, people ask me, do you hear something? Do you see something? How do you get it? How is the message coming across? And to me, it's just a knowing. You're, my, you're one of my knowers. It's a knowing. Sometimes I will hear words. I rarely see an image. But they do come as image at some points. But it's just a knowing cannot describe it other than it's just a no. Mm -hmm. I would suspect words fly out of your mouth too. Uh, often. <laughs> often I have to say, I don't know where this comes from. It happened today. You two people have to meet. And I don't know why, but you guys have to meet. Can you just can you just do that? Yeah. Yeah? That's usually 
or I'll say something to a stranger and I don't know why I'm saying it and they look at me and they go, okay, thank you. How did you know that? I don't know anything. Yeah. Getting out of the way. Exactly. Yeah. Be the vessel. Yeah. Oh, you were supposed to take a trip. I wasn't supposed to see you this week. Yes. That's another knowing and that's another part of listening is that sometimes we are get too busy doing and that's been my lifetime pattern of doing too much and doing too much has many facets one of them is it keeps you busy from listening mm -hmm. and you don't listen to what might be an intuition or a message and this week I, this past few months have been busy doing 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 and finally my body physically said, you're not doing that anymore. So I gave up a very interesting trip. And you have to remember, I'm very curious. Mm -hmm. And this was a trip to be able to learn more and connect to uh, more of slow food, more of uh, different projects that are going on around the world. However, my body said, no, you're going to stay right here, right now. And I just listened to it. And as hard as it was to make that decision, that's what it had to do. Mm -hmm. Well, and so now you're in a space where you can recharge by being, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's sometimes difficult for me personally to just be so that I can listen. However, this is my whole purpose this week is just to listen. Now, you've, you've had a couple instances in your life where the world has kind of taken you by the heels and sat you down. Oh, I've had a lot of those <laughs> And made you be? Yes, I've had, uh, I had the, um, the ins and outs of having some great moments when I've listened and magic has happened and I've had some moments where I did not listen and the poop happened or it flew in all different directions. So I know better now to listen. Yeah, it's it's better than the consequences, eh? The consequences <laughs> are all part of the lesson. And the learning, yeah. And the learning. And we just we choose. We're a choice to everything. Yeah. yeah. So well, nothing happens to us. It's all a result of choices that we have made. So you can listen or not listen. Mm -hmm. Always choose. The uh, when you cook, you I've I've been privy to your soup. <laughs> There's a trend. It does taste the same. I usually see similar ingredients in there. You strike me like you're not a person who follows a recipe. No, no. I was at the... But, yeah, I get some consistency in what I'm getting you will from always, you. If the soup works, you will always get relatively the same soup. The only difference is in the taste of the ingredients at that time of the year. I don't follow a recipe. I have been cooking since I have a very young age. People have asked me to teach them how to cook. I can't teach you how to cook because technically I don't know how to cook. I just know how to put ingredients together. And 
the type of cooking I do is called intuitive cooking. Imagine that. It's 100% <laughs> intuitive. If I have a recipe that really works, I tell the pot that I really like that recipe. So next time, if I want to recreate that, I ask the pot. People think I'm off my rocker, but that's exactly what happens. I will just simply imprint that recipe in the pot or imprint it in my body if I need to, to, uh, to travel. So that when I'm cooking, I will smell something and I'll, I'll ask, what do you need? So sometimes it needs a little bit more salt, sometimes a little bit more pepper, sometimes it's an odd ingredient, but it's all about what do you need? And you think, oh, wow, that is so unique, but it isn't. How often have I spoken to people about cooking and I will say, how about you add this? And they will say, I thought about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, I was thinking about that. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. except that I don't think about it. I do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody has the ability to cook intuitively. They just don't take the time or they have the confidence to do it. Right. Well, I remember when I took your course at school, I never made a pot of soup. It was too intimidating because I was like, I don't understand how water and ingredients become soup. I just never understood that because that just didn't make sense to me. And now you make soup. I make soup. I make a lot of soup. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I don't use a recipe. No, because it's... Based on what you have. It's based on what you have. But there's also some basic knowledge that needs to be put in place, I think, sometimes for intuition to be able to take you to the next lily pad. Like this thing called stock and spices weren't in my knowledge base when or I started. Onions. Or even onions. Like, the math didn't work. But with a little bit of knowledge, you can go to the next places, right? That's right. So I, think, I think you do need, you do need some, knowledge. some knowledge in order for intuition to take you places when it comes to things like cooking right. or baking. It's or knowledge and it's practice. It's like any intuitive practice. Practice? Mm -hmm. The word practice is in there for a reason. You have to work it. It's like a muscle. Mm -hmm. So you may be clairaudient or you may be uh, clairvoyant, but if you don't pay attention to those messages, you don't practice it, it will never mean anything. And you'll probably end up on antipsychotic drugs because you think you're going crazy. So cooking is the same thing, is you have to practice it. But you can get some results that are amazing without going to cordon bleu. Mm -hmm. or to go become a top-level chef. Mm -hmm. And not only is it going to be really tasty, it's going to be what your body needs. I know, yeah. I was talking to another lady um, who's taking a foraging course. Um, and so in her quest for knowledge, her curiosity, she wanted to know what was safe, basically. Um, and she's like, it is so cool when you look around people's houses, most often you will see the plants that they need next to their house. And it's like, 
if they didn't buy that house intuitively, knowing that that dandelion was going to support their liver, even though they're not digging it out and actually eating the dandelion most times. But if we were to go back to literally the root and live a very simple life, we would be pulling the dandelion out and cooking it. You know what I mean? We so would be taking yeah, our or environment. I have a similar story yeah. to that, Heather. Somebody I know who's also a forager and um, she knows a lot about the medicinal properties of plants and she knew about nettles. Mm-hmm. And nettles is a plant that's very good for allergies and any type of inflammation, dermatitis and so on. She knew about it. She lives in the country. She had she couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Could not find it. And then her son developed a skin condition. And all of a sudden, she noticed there's a field of nettles <laughs> literally on her route to the river that she goes on a regular basis. It's, it's right there. She couldn't see it before. Oh, now it. there's a need and it's visible right there so that's that's kind of how it works is that the message wasn't that before it was an interesting plant now it's a plant she needs and it just it didn't move it didn't spontaneously grow it was always there but the need was there at that point and intuition is like that it it's about paying attention to those small details and and knowing that it's paying attention. Yeah. Knowing to do something with it sometimes. Yeah. Or not do anything. <laughs> or sometimes just leave it be. Leave it be, right? Yeah. Depending on what the sense is or the feeling is or the emotion in some cases. Like there's so many different ways people get their intuition. It's been fascinating this this uh, this journey of this podcast because hearing different people's stories and how they receive their intuition it's opened the doors to you can get it so many different ways it's neat yes because into what intuition is not it's not a superpower Mm -hmm. it's not something that only special people have exactly intuition is something that we all have and we can all yeah it's inner guidance yeah it's inner guidance yeah everybody has it yeah some people listen to it some people don't your life path will have certain consequences if you do or if you don't yes absolutely well this has been great thank you so much lee oh thank you great conversation yeah until next time (laughs) until next time Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. 
be part of our community.